So I think like if your goal is to get more end users in your product and your product supports that like product-led growth and end user-led growth, then awesome. But if not, if you're working with a SaaS company that is purely selling to business decision makers where the people signing the check and being involved in the sales process aren't even going to be using the software, I don't think it makes a ton of sense. So it really depends on the context of your of like where SEO fits into your go-to-market function. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by John Henry Sork, who is the owner of Growthplace, a B2B strategy and SEO consultancy. Uh, I've been following him for a while. Uh, I would say since my early days when it comes to SaaS, SaaS con marketing, SaaS SEO, and uh, I'm more than happy to, to be joined by him and to be able to uh, discuss all the interesting things that we will be discussing today. John, welcome to the show. George, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. I've been watching the show for a while. I'm, I'm glad to finally be a part of it, man. So thanks for, thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, before we dive into the, uh, the really interesting questions that I have for you today, could you please share a couple of things about you, your background, what has brought you to, to where you are today? Yeah. Um, so I'd say I got into SEO pretty early on, like 2009, 2010, like right as I was getting out of college, I was messing around with WordPress sites, um, wrote for like a blog and whatnot, and then uh, started out agency side, working on small businesses, uh, bounced around from a few different agencies. And at one agency in particular, where I was based in San Francisco, uh, Build Visible, I got a lot of exposure to different SaaS businesses and a lot of like B2, and how B2B was just so different from like at the time we were working with like a Living Social was one of the major customers and kind of getting that exposure to um, sort of like that that product-led SEO where you're creating scalable pages. That wasn't very interesting to me. It was really interesting and what I gravitated towards was generating leads that were pretty high value and kind of sussing out where we could find uh, sort of like the 80-20 in terms of value of content that would uh, we could create that would convert. Um, from there, I moved over to WP Engine and I was an early member of the growth team at WP Engine. Uh, I jumped over to Zenefits for a little bit, which uh, was a very wild ride when I was there. But I think what was really beneficial about my time at Zenefits was I was kind of 
uh, high on my own supply when it came to like thinking about how valuable SEO was for us for like a B2B SaaS business. And I saw at Zenefits like what a sales led motion could do. And despite like the turbulence with the business, I mean, they had 500 SDRs just cranking out calls and shooting out emails and booking demos. And I was like, how am I going to compete with value to this? And I realized like really what does it take to, uh, you know, complement like a sales led motion with SEO and how do you essentially make the sales team have to do less work. It was just a big paradigm shift for me after, after thinking like, Oh, people buy when they want to buy. It's like, actually no, like outbound is very, very, very effective. And, uh, I think that gave me just a lot more exposure to overall, like a, a B2B SaaS GTM. And, uh, after Zenefits, I was at a company called Doxin for a while. It's about two years, helped take them from fairly low numbers in the, uh, in the ARR side to over a million in ARR. So it was there pretty early stage and eventually sold the Dropbox for 110 million, I think. And, uh, for the last five years or so, or since after I left, uh, Doxin, I've been working on a company called Growth Plays. Uh, we have deep specialization in B2B technology businesses. We work with, I'd say, like, B2B knowledge worker software, so anything in the office, like HR, payroll, time and attendance, things like that. Or time and attendance, I'd say, is a little bit more on the workforce management side, but uh, as, well, as well as like developer tools, infrastructure as a service. And then we also work with a fair amount of capital market professionals, whether it's like venture capital firms or private equity firms on uh, whether it's marketing the firm itself or valuing assets and things like that or valuing marketing initiatives. So I'd say, uh, yeah, growth plays for the last five years is probably what's brought me here now. Okay, thank you very much for saying that. Uh, back to your time at Zenefits. Like, have you figured out what is the solution to, to that question that uh, bothered you back then? Uh, I mean, how can you help uh, the, the SDR, the salesperson uh, in their effort uh, through, through content? Is there an, an answer to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really about, instead of thinking about just like keyword, keyword volume and where you can get traffic. It's really about mapping the purchase journey to individual pieces of content and kind of unwinding all the different questions a buyer has before they're ready to buy, before they even know they need to buy and mapping that to a content journey and then layering on SEO and figuring out how can we essentially turn this part of the journey into something that has some SEO traffic behind it? How can we augment this piece of content to meet that stage in the buyer journey? So instead of just like, yeah, let's rank for, you know, HR software or payroll software, which you know, not that many people actually, like, there's some search for non-branded search terms, but if you look at anything like, you know, cloud storage versus Dropbox, Dropbox gets a lot more search and granted people are trying to log in and whatnot, it's a very established business, but like just ranking for your direct response, like software or platform mm -hmm. or solution keywords, unless you have an extremely big product line, it's typically not going to be a massive needle mover and what, and at most it's going to get you into consideration set. It's also very hard to attribute that value. So I'd say like, one, just getting as many emails as possible and figure out how you get people into working with demand gen and uh, essentially like just feeding demand gen emails that can be nurtured into leads that SDRs can contact depending on the go-to-market motion, whether it's product-led or sales-led. But I think um, instead of just like trying to rank for what is HR and HR software, really picking apart all the problems the buyers have and express and finding ways to create content that shows how you uniquely solve those problems, that's how you can assist really... Uh, creating leads that are, that are basically like on the Kool-Aid that the sales team is essentially going to be preaching. Like they can get, if you can really translate that, that strategic narrative, Andy Raskin talks about that a lot strategic narrative. If you can take that strategic narrative the sales team is going to be speaking about on calls and kind of interweave that into all of your content, including the traffic that's like say top of funnel, like the, the what is content, the big guide content that gets a lot of traffic. Even if you can use that as an excuse to kind of get your strategic narrative in there and tell the world 
how you like what your vision is and how you see the future and how you see work changing or whatever it is that you're selling changing, uh, whatever industry you're selling into changing. I think that's how you can assist a sales team that's pretty massive as opposed to like, let me rank for my keyword and like get a few demos. And it's not like demos, it's demo form fills. Like how many of those are actually going to show up? How many of those are going to qualify? How many of those are going to turn to opportunities to then buy? It's not, it's about like creating like, I'd say systemic change rather than just like spitting us the landing pages to rank for 200 different keywords or something like that. I think before I was much more attuned to like, everyone uses Google, everyone searches, they're going to search for stuff. They're going to see our, our brand. They're going to buy from us. I had a very unsophisticated view of like how B2B purchases get made, how many different stakeholders there are. And uh, yeah, so I think just like going to a company like Zenefits and seeing them just like full steam ahead with a sales-led motion really put things in perspective for me for how much value I can provide with search and also showed me how much value can I can provide with paid because with search, if you don't have to search for what you're doing with paid, you can force yourself on, like you can force those brand, those impressions and, and, and really be where the people are if they aren't searching for you. So it really let me understand like SEO is reactive and we need to give people the exact journey that allows them to become buyers because it's somewhat of like a finite but very valuable opportunity, if that makes sense. I like that, yeah. And it makes perfect sense. I guess a follow-up to that would be like quite often we, we, we get pushback from our clients when it comes to some piece of con where the scope is obviously SEO. And um, essentially they tell us that, you know what, let's, let's feature the product in here. Uh, couldn't we just feature it uh, a couple of screenshots or a, a quick video? Um, I, I'd like to, to hear your thoughts on that, working with, you know, having worked with so many SaaS companies. Is it the case like, in every single post, we have to feature the product or you just have to let the product outside of a, of, a, of a post or a page if the intent is not that the searcher, the, the search engine user uh, would like to, to see a, project, a product being featured in that page? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a, a really great question. And um, if it's cool, if I can share my screen real quick, I'd like to pull up a graphic that I use to explain this to uh, customers, actually. And we call it the two audience concept. And I think really, um, not everything needs to become a demo. Not everything needs to become like a full product walkthrough. But if people are typing in things that are relevant to the, the software category that you're creating, I think that um, you should absolutely use that as an opportunity to educate them about your product and your product's value. So I'm just going to share this graphic real quick. We call this the two audience concept. And really the way I like to think about it is the start of content appeals to a general audience that just needs a quick answer to their question. And then it, throughout the course of the article transitions to things that both like a general audience may be interested in, but also potential buyers. And then at the end of the article, it really is just speaking to buyers. And then we have an article with our customer heap that ranks for what is product analytics or the term product analytics. The second you land on this page for audience one, like if, you know, I was talking about product analytics at the family dinner and my uncle had no idea what I was talking about and he went to the bathroom and Googled what is product analytics, he could land on this page and get that answer as quickly as possible and then bounce, go, you know, do the next thing that he wants to do. But if you want to go deeper than that, you can understand why they're important, who uses them. You can use this table of contents to jump to whatever section matters most for you. So maybe it's like, hey, I'm, 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 I want to know how they work. I want to understand how these platforms work and the features and different components of them. And then it moves into like, should you be using Google Analytics? 
When should my company invest in product analytics? And if all you needed was a quick answer, you're out. Like you've bounced already. You're, 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 you've gotten, your, your job to be done has been accomplished. But if you're actually potentially in market or willing to be in market or willing to be educated about what the solution could do for your company, you can keep going down further and further through the article. So I'd say like, you know, this doesn't become a full on demo. But this does get you to the point of like, why should you be choosing Heap? And it asks you to get into a demo to go from a, another example I really like. This is not a customer of ours. This is a company called Inflectra. And it answers the question, what is requirements management? I don't think this is a perfect piece of SEO content, but it does go into like, why do you need it? Use an example from NASA and it kind of tells the enterprise folks in the room like, hey, we're speaking the same language here. We're talking about $125 million budgeted products. So um, NASA is not going to alienate anyone that's like in an SMB just trying to learn really quickly. It's a household name brand. But uh, it also tells the enterprise folks in the room we're speaking the same language here. It then fully answers the question. So if all you need to know is like, what is requirements management? You can bounce. But then it goes into what features should I look for? So then it immediately starts helping you build a feature consideration set. And then it goes into why should I choose Spiratine for requirements management? And this whole thing just basically, I don't love the uh, layout here. I think all the screenshots, there's so many of them that it almost is hard to take in. But this essentially walks you through all the different aspects and functions of, require, of a requirements management solution and shows you how their solution fits into that, what their, how, what their take is, what the product looks like. So this really does take you from what is this idea to how do I get started and how do I get a 30-day free trial or sign up for a demo? So I think like this is a really good example of both using SEO to answer a basic question and then pull people into a product education if they're willing to go for it. Like no one's forcing people to keep on scrolling. So if this is all the value they need, they can go bounce and then, you know, go Google the next thing they want to Google. But if they're willing to get educated, I don't see a reason why not to uh, kind of take them on that journey and show them the value of the product and how it could fit into their workflow today. Love that. And for the record, it's the first time someone uh, on the SaaSEO shares their screen, but I really like it. Uh, really, really interesting. Uh, thank you very much for saying that. I guess one thing that I'd like to ask uh, with regards to something that you mentioned previously, um, when it comes to uh, the, the, um, the go-to-market motion uh, that a company chooses, um, sales-led vs. Um, a product-led approach, I guess that people talk about product-led more and more nowadays. My only concern is that can product-led be applied from a constant point in any category? Uh, on, a, on a page level, as we just you know, uh, discussed, we, you could integrate that in some cases uh, and you could fit it in, uh, especially I guess that you know, when, they, when the search intent is there. But I would say seeing it a bit taking a step back and seeing it, seeing it a bit more strategically, I, I, I would like to ask whether or not you think that every SaaS category um, could be, uh, there could be implemented a product-led approach as opposed to uh, a sales-led approach to every uh, SaaS category. And I'm only asking because you have experience in several SaaS categories. I mean, I, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think... I'm thinking of one customer in particular who basically runs both at the same time. They have sort of a top-down sales-led motion for their enterprise product, which they're selling to business decision makers. But then they also have a freemium, like sort of product-led go-to-market motion where you can sign up for the free tool and use it. And they're basically, they're night and day, the free tool and the enterprise tool. One is like very basic uh, commodity software. The other is like next-gen uh, deep tech. I don't want to. I uh, I don't have the right to say this customer's name, so I'm being a little bit vague here. 
But I think like it, it really depends on who you're selling into. And if who you're selling into is the end user of the product, doing, you know, making content your like uh, the your product, the focus of your content and showing people how they can solve problems with your product makes a ton of sense. Our customer launch darkly does that all day with tutorials. It's like how to use feature flags to do X and they show you how to do it with launch darkly in there. I think they are the kind of best in class at some of the more complex developer product led SEO. If you want to or like a product focused content, there's so many vernaculars in SEO. Now I can't keep straight. They're very good at featuring their content and products, what I'm trying to featuring their product and their content, what I'm trying to say in their blog. But, um, you know, I think there's only so much budget typically that a company has for SEO. And it's also, so like, who are you trying to get in front of? Like, I think for, if you're selling, at least you do a lot of work selling developers. So if you're selling like developer tools, having lots of technical tutorials makes sense. But when it comes to the what is content, I'd want that all to be buyer focused. And also like not everyone's product looks great. Like I think Ahrefs is, a, is, a, is very good at the product focused content marketing. Their product is also like prosumerish. It's 99 bucks. You can get into it very easily. I think it's cheaper than that if you want to trial it. Like some companies can't support that motion. And also like their product is not pretty and it's never going to be. And they're not selling to the end user. They're selling like the overall value that they provide the entire business. And when, when the product isn't like something that people want to naturally gravitate towards and it doesn't have like this beautiful modern interface, I don't think making it front and center makes a ton of sense. And there's also this like, just show it to me, show me the value. That's not always the best move. Like some of our, some of the products we work with uh, that I'd say have like heavy usage of AI, they require a lot of training data. And there's a, a, a training data gathering period where they're just kind of working to get more and more data before they can even do predictions. So the idea of like, let me just hop in and see the product. The product's blank right now. I think um, some folks do a really good job kind of showing like a sandbox user experience. I think that's like a, a great thing. I would love more customers to have sort of a go and let me play with the product for free with, with fake data. That'd be lovely. Um, but that's really hard to do. And as an SEO consultant, I'm also not just going to be like, oh, we need to be doing product-led content. Or like, we need to alter your go-to-market so that we can do X, Y, Z. Like, I, when I was at Docsend, I really pushed for uh, feature upgrades because they opened us up to more search traffic. I had no business. Like, I didn't understand the lift it would take to get certain things into the product. I had no business being like, oh, yeah, we should create this product with so many people, or create this feature with so many people search for it. Looking back on it, it was like a very immature way to try and get the product roadmap prioritized. Um, but... I, yeah, just going back to it, it really depends on a company's go-to-market motion. And you, as like an SEO professional, you're consulting for the company or working inside the company, you need to complement that go-to-market motion instead of saying like, oh, we could do so much better if like people could just hop in our product. Like, it's not really about that. Like, if there's generally a reason why people can't hop in your product. Like, uh, we worked with one company that is, I would say, an enterprise and uh, version. It's a data connector you could do this with Zapier and Zapier is like probably the best at that product led growth, scalable SEO stuff. If you're a fit for Zapier, you should go use Zapier. You should never talk to this company. However, if it's like, yeah, we can't use Zapier because we're a bank and we need to keep our data bifurcated and the wealth management team can never, ever, ever share data with the loans, like the loan team and the data can't even be in the same servers. When it's like that type of a situation, like that's where you know, product-led content or whatever doesn't make any sense. It's like, no, it's like you're our customer because you have to be our customer. We just need to let you know you exist. If anything, like giving out a demo of how ugly this enterprise software is probably isn't going to help us. Let's just get the lead, get them on the phone. They don't really have any other options here. 
that's that's like a great example of like we could literally only sell into like the top 500 companies on the planet or the top 500 biggest financial institutions on the planet. We don't like our product maybe isn't beautiful. We don't need to be doing this product led stuff. We basically just need to leave you get them on the phone and we will convert them because they're going to buy from someone. So it's just about getting that consideration set rather than showing like the end user how nifty it will be. The end user doesn't even know this software is being used. The person who's installing something like that is the administrator for the entire, like the entire, uh, like the CISO of the entire bank in that case would be involved for that particular customer. So I think like if your goal is to get more end users in your product and your product supports that like product led growth and end user led growth, then awesome. But if not, if you're working with a SaaS company that is purely selling to business decision makers where the people signing the check and being involved in the sales process aren't even going to be using the software. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. So it really depends on the context of your, of like where SEO fits into your go-to-market function. I like that, and I th- I think that this uh, distinction makes perfect sense. I have a couple of examples here. Um, I think that the cases like the first one is is Canva, uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, kind of allows you to to play around with the tool uh, before you even uh, sign up for a for a free account. And obviously, we all know how 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 you know good their SEO is, and also uh, Vid.io, which has done a tremendous job when it comes to uh, organic search. Once again, I guess that it's not that you can attribute that, you know, uh, entirely to the fact that uh, you can experience some sort of value from the product, for example, on a landing page that happens to have a a target keyword behind it. But I guess that um, if we uh, assume that uh, user experience makes um, a, a, a you know, good signal for uh, Google and other search engines for that matter, then people kind of uh, experience some value there. So positive uh, user experience signals. So this could, you know, benefit um, their SEO uh, as, as well. I mean, if any time that you have a product that's web-based that people get into for free and like build on it and share on it, like a cap wing or you said... Um, Canva or like gift, any, I, I don't know, like anything, anything that's like, you're going to create visuals and shareables that's going to do pretty well with search. Like if you look at notion, like they're the amount of links going to the notion pages that people create is just out of control. It's its own platform. But again, like, I think that's, that's that product led growth where it's just like pop into the product and it's, it, it becomes multiplayer almost by default inside of a larger company. It's like, Oh, I'm going to invite this other person on the design team. And then I'm going to invite this person who's on the marketing team. And sooner or later we got 20 seats going, we got a decent sized contract inside this company. But um, like what I, I like a great example though, is like uh, with that one customer I was talking about that, it, that connects data from one source to another for banks. We do rank against Zapier we don't consider Zapier to be a competitor because the customers that would use this company, they cannot use Zapier. Like the level of security is just not there. So like for secure environments, for highly regulated environments, Zapier is just like a thing they can't use that takes up space. They're much more worried about like the other enterprise players in the room. So I think like um, it's almost like two different audiences. There's just like this B2B is such like, it's hard to talk about SEO as a monolith. It's hard to talk about B2B as a monolith. And like, we work with companies that do, you know, contracts that are, you know, 2000, 3000 bucks a year in the, in the CRM, tiny stuff, you know, one, two seats. And then we do, uh, you know, we see companies pulling contracts that are massive, that are, you know, large six figure deals. And, uh, 
those can come in the same business. Like I'm sure there's some very large companies using Slack and Notion and whatnot. But I think um, this product-led approach does lend itself very well to SEO. There's more small businesses out there to use your product. There's more people that want to try a free product and see it for themselves. But then um, for a lot of the businesses that we work with that are executing like this top-down motion, there comes a point where it doesn't make sense to like cater to those tiny businesses. And you're really just building for a bigger audience. And um, I, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's um, the canvas of the world will always win, but it's like for a lot of folks that are on the larger deal size, their canvas is not going to be the appropriate solution or Xavier is not going to be the appropriate solution. So not everyone that can rank and is even offering something of similar functionality is really a competitor when you're thinking about like the larger, the larger deal sizes out there. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I would like to shift gears a bit and discuss uh, GA, Google Analytics, and uh, tracking, uh, which uh, for which you've been uh, tweeting uh, quite a, a lot about recently. And I would like to hear your thoughts after having you know all these experiences uh, at the companies you were working uh, at and now with with Growth Place, like. What is your understanding uh, when it comes to um, measuring uh, impact, um, the, the business impact of, of content? Uh, are there any practical tips and things that people uh, can do and follow when it comes to measuring impact for, uh, you know, your, from your content efforts? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we've been really lucky to work with Heat for the past couple of years. And um, we've also worked with a bunch of customers that are using Heat. And something I really like about Heat and um, other product analytics solutions can do this, but Heap uh, unifies visits historically and you can create events historically and goals historically and see it. So it's like, you don't need to do any event tagging with Heap, which is why I really like it. But with Heap, you can also integrate Salesforce. So you can see like the titles of the people that are on the various pages that you create for search once their names are in the CRM. So you need to wait a while for all the data to like flow back because like, you know, the first time a person comes to the page, you're not going to have... Uh, then like cookie with their login and then have the Salesforce record there. But eventually like with Heap, you can start seeing the titles and the deal size based on the landing page and like pull in those attributes into your analytics. So I really like that. Um, the thing I also really like is uh, don't want to give away the customer name here. I'm sure they'd be cool with it, but just out of respect to them. But something that was really great with Heap is we had it running in if you have it running on the entire marketing site and and all of uh, and in your product, you can basically see like churn by like landing page and user journey. And like, hey, like one thing that we realized is people that came in on versus and alternative queries were like way more qualified than the folks who converted on like the guides of how to do X with the product. Like folks that are like, oh, I don't like this solution, but I already have like a running business and I'm good to go way better customers and that just showed us like oh these are so much more valuable like these visits are so much more valuable than we thought these are people who stick with the product and actually stick around and pay us for a while as opposed to folks that have a high high high, uh, high likelihood of churn so um product analytics i think is great and then we're trying to get closer to the crm like i i think uh like one of the more embarrassing moments of me consulting was when I thought like we absolutely crushed it one month and we found out like every form fill was from students that were just like interested in the ebook this company put out. That was like a kind of a hard science industrial technology and they published an ebook and just, we were, I was like, Oh, we crushed it. Great. So many downloads. Turns out it was all students. And I, because I didn't have access to the CRM, I looked like a fool and I was like, Oh, what's this? 60% month over month growth. And uh, not a single one was like, of, of any value to the company. 
So um, I'm trying to get closer to using either like HubSpot CRM attribution data or Visible, which is from the Adobe world. So if the customer's on Marketo as opposed to HubSpot, uh, trying to use more Visible data, we're still pretty new in that world. And it's like, it's not as flexible as Google Analytics. Like with Google Analytics, you can just change the attribution model. And I, I'm not like a visible user myself. We're typically working with data teams for them to pull that data. It's not just like, oh, let's just flip it to first click. Let's just flip it to assisted. It's not that. It's not that simple. Um, but it's I, you know, I'm trying to get closer to the CRM overall, so we can just say, hey, this is the revenue we influence. This is the revenue that's directly attributable to us. Um, just because. You, I think it's really important to be close to the system of record. And for most companies, the system of record is Salesforce. Google Analytics is like nice directional information, but I don't think it's trusted as like, oh, that's where the value is coming from. The CRM and what gets treated in the CRM is, is what's there. And I think visible for us is going to be the long-term key to that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And and I guess that uh, when it comes to measuring impact from your contest, your efforts, uh, it may be the the ultimate source of truth. Like uh, the the CRM may be the where everything ends up to, and uh, it may be the ultimate source of truth. That's that's very interesting. Uh, another thing that I'd like to to ask you, um, I saw a tweet that you did uh, a while back. Um, with regards to a term, uh, the term was retention rate that had a split search intent, meaning that. Uh, there may be users uh, who, are, who are searching for, or you may be, um, you know, searching for this term and you mean retention rate for users or uh, for employees. Uh, and what you, what you said uh, in, this, uh, in that tweet was that using a content optimization tool uh, to, let's say, uh, create a page um, that um, will, you know, uh, help you set up your, yourself for success is not the best uh, way to, to go there. Um, do you have any practical tips on how you would optimize uh, and what you would do on a very practical level uh, if you, you had to, to rank for and get visibility for that, for a term like this? Yeah. Um, so what I like to do is I like to come up with a very, this is, gonna, this is like the most tactical thing I'm going to give out on this call, but um, I like to come up with like long queries that are extremely specific that are going to give me 20 similar articles, ranking in search of 20 to 30 similar articles. So maybe like, you know, uh, if we're just talking about, um, let's just say we were talking about like people management and it's like people management guide best practices examples. Like that's what I would want in, in the clear scope report or the market news report or the uh, content edge report. Um, something really long that's going to give me all that informational content because if it lands on like, you know, a hub page from the human resource information, like the, whatever, like there's these official bodies that have like 200 word pages that are going to lower the average word count. There's maybe solutions pages that are going to rank for certain things. I want to find all the articles, all of the terms. I'd like to all find things that are also recently published, uh, although I don't like mess with the date. I don't put in like 2022, 2021, but I'd say like the ClearScope reports that we generate have unusual, oftentimes have unusually long uh, queries in them so that we're running on similar content types. Because yeah, if it's like retention rate, if you're just trying to rank a retention rate and then you're having employee retention rate and customer retention rate, those are totally different topics really. Like the subtopics in those body in that body of documents is going to be split, an intense fractured. So um, I try and combat that with overly prescriptive queries that are going to make the content that I want the system to be churning through to do it. So it's like I think it's important to not take those tools literally and just think about like what 
what's it going to analyze and how can we get it the same content we want to analyze. And that's why, um, you know, if you're like trying to go after branded queries, like sales forecasting for Salesforce, doing a minus site colon salesforce.com and removing all the Salesforce content that's ranking for that term, that's a solid move too. That way, or like if you're trying to rank for anything with Shopify or moving the Shopify listings, or the shop, like all the Shopify listings, the app store, the blog, whatever, they're playing by different rules because they're the brand that's supposed to rank there. So removing that and saying like, how do third parties rank? What does third party content look like versus what does the branded content look like? That's typically what I recommend. So overly prescriptive queries and really just with the goal of analyzing similar content types instead of thinking about what keyword do I want to rank for? I like that. And uh, in some cases, we had to use some advanced search operators um, inside ClearScope as well. Uh, in that case, for example, it could be retention rate uh, minus in title, I don't know, uh, employer or customer or whatever is that you want to, uh, to exclude from, from that uh, SERP. Uh, so I like that. Uh, my, last, my, my, my last question would be, since we are running out of time, um, you are working uh, with SaaS companies for quite a while now. And uh, I would like to, to hear your thoughts as to, you know, what the future holds for uh, SaaS companies when it comes to CondeSEO. Is it going to be uh, pretty much, you know, the same things over and over again, alternative pages, uh, comparison pages, uh, some uh, informational search queries and so on? Um, or is it going to be like the brand is going to be the dominant force moving forward for, for SaaS companies? I mean, I already, I, I already think the brand is the dominant force moving forward for SaaS companies. Like SEO content is a commodity. Um, you know, it's like, we all, we all know what it looks like. We've been working in this world for a while. If you go to an article from like, um, Investopedia or tech target or nerd wallet, you understand what like the ideal framework for SEO is. SEO is a platform for doing product marketing and demand gen and storytelling and account creation. And I think the best companies that are going to win are going to execute on SEO like it is any other marketing opportunity that they take dead serious like you wouldn't have you wouldn't have uh like an sdr with no training just start calling up leads and being like hey we got a product do you want a demo you're i think the level of business acumen inside of content is going to go way way up i think the idea of like let's just hire a random person who has no experience in our space is going to plummet uh one company that we worked with for uh, quite a while gremlin their content is so authentic and it really did help build their brand and it didn't come from like an outsourced team that had no idea what they were talking about. There's not that many people in this world that are qualified to talk about chaos engineering, which is the act of like introducing failure on purpose to build resiliency inside of your distributed systems and not necessarily distributed systems, but inside of your like internet systems and web systems and developer applications and whatnot. But, um, it's so authentic because there's not that many people actually doing it yet. And it's such a, a hot topic. They're the most qualified people to talk on that topic. That's why I think Gremlin just knocked it out of the park when we were working with them on content. And uh, I think that's more what it's leaning to less like, let's just create uh, an encyclopedia of B2B sales topics. Like no one who gets value from that. Like if it's not an opportunity, if you really flex your brand to flex your strategic narrative, why even execute on it? Like there's only, and that's the thing as well. Is like I feel like SEO is viewed as this thing. Like, how, how many how, we're executing on like what hundreds of articles? Like, like no. Like the customers we're working with, they have they have the resources and focus and and determination to publish like four things a month, maybe if they're really aggressive. 
Like, I, so it's like, let's pick those very wisely and let's execute on the most important things first, as opposed to like creating this never ending sea of marginal content. So I think really it's going to be about best in class execution and sort of a less is more approach, like a totally different space. But like what Backlinko did with his site, where he created like less than 30 posts and then sold it for a few million. I think that is going to be more what SaaS companies are doing, like super high quality, long form, interesting, engaging content using maybe data from a product or survey data, telling unique stories, actually doing thought leadership and engaging in best in class product marketing, as opposed to like just another encyclopedia of terms that are related to our general audience. So that's, that's, that is my opinion of the future. I'd love to hear yours though, George. Uh, I think that uh, I, I agree with you. I have to agree with you. I think that this is where things are are going. Um, and I have some some great examples that I really really like uh, lately. For example, I read a post by um, Looms uh, co-founder, founder, and CEO, uh, and the title was uh, Loom Zoom Room, uh, which essentially described like how. Uh, uh, companies, um, startups pitch uh, investors and they start with a Loom video, uh, they will yeah. uh, jump on a call and then they will meet uh, in a conference room. This is the type of con that I will bookmark and I will keep for, uh, for later. Uh, and I, I, I think that um, the way you, you put it makes perfect sense is, and it's, a, it's also a great way to uh, wrap this episode up. Uh, so last question, uh, where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Oh man, uh, twitter.com is where I spend too much time. JHT Shirk, S-C-H-E-R-C-K. Please give me a follow there if you're watching this and you want to hear more about SaaS and SEO and see cute pictures of my dogs. That's great. That's great. John, really a pleasure. Thank you very much for, for being on the show. George, thank you so much for having me, man. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, AHS. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com slash AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.